Hello, welcome to the podcast of the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. I'm your host, Professor Jan Hendricks from the Alst OLV Hospital in Belgium. Today we will be speaking about sustainability, and there we have invited Dr. Patricia Gonzalez Pizzara from the La Paz University Hospital in Portugal. Welcome, Patricia. Hi, John. Thank you. Thank you for having, uh, having me today. It's a pleasure. So you're also the chair of the Sustainability of Committee of the European Society of Anesthesia and Intensive Care, very active. So let me start off by asking you, how would you define sustainability? Well, yeah, sustainability is a hot topic, right? Uh, it is everywhere these days uh, because it is a transversal concept. And uh, although we may be getting saturated with the word sometimes, it is, I think it's, it's our responsibility to turn our attention to the concept, especially in its environmental dimension. Because if we go to the definition, sustainability refers to the ability to be sustained. That's something that can last or endure. But in, in our context, we mostly refer to the environmental aspect to your consideration of sustainability. But uh, it's also important to keep an eye on the other or the sites, such as the worker environment or the staff well-being and burnout, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, going back to our main focus, which is uh, the environment, climate change, I believe, is a defining issue for our generation. The carbon footprint of our clinical practice accounts for 4. 7% of the European emissions of greenhouse gases, and the European Union ranks as the third largest contributor to the global healthcare industry footprint, with a share of 12% after US and China. So uh, that could be like a, a brief summary of sustainability. So uh, it seems like we have some work to do, uh, but given the broad definition of sustainability or the many aspects related to sustainability, as you pointed out, pointed out um, I think it would be helpful to narrow it down a little so that I, as an anesthesiologist, uh, working on a day-to-day -day basis in the operating room and intensive care units and, and pain clinics, um, it would be useful, I think, to narrow it down a little bit so, I, so we can practically start doing a little bit to help out. So how would you, how do you see that? How can we actually translate this sustainability concept into things I can do practically? How would you narrow it down? Well, yeah, uh, we can, perhaps we can define something more. Um, so what's our share responsibility of these numbers which have gone through? Uh, the volatile anesthetics are responsible, responsible for roughly 0.1% of the global emissions worldwide. And the United Kingdom, anesthetic gases represent 5% of the hospital care carbon footprint. And roughly 50% of the preoperative carbon emissions with deferrin identified as the most carbon intensive. And this is what we call the scope one, uh, the scope one of our, of our carbon footprint of our practice every day. And the scope one refers to the direct emissions, mostly anesthetics, right? But we also have scope two and scope three. Scope two refers to the energy consumption. The operating rooms, as we know, are the most resource intensive areas in the hospital, the hospital care, because uh, they have, have very high energy demands. If we think about the ventilation, the humidity control, so the source of energy 
for for this is that the hospital chooses or the or the regional government or the national government uh that's very that's crucial that that is that, that does not depend on us but as part of our carbon footprint and finally scope three refers to the extremely complex supply chain and waste management that we have in the operating theater right uh, just think about the supply chain for for all the surgical procedures and for our supply chain, and then all the waste management that the the waste that is uh, con- potentially contaminated by by uh, biological uh, uh, waste, or or and and then we have a part that is not contaminated and is uh, potentially recyclable as in a normal way. So it's extremely complex. So the, what we are talking about in the operating theater. So um, to, to wrap up this puts us uh, anesthesiologists in a position of particular responsibility to make our practice more sustainable because uh, the use of inhaled anesthetics uh, is directly within our own control, right? And we can choose most of the time uh, between uh, inhaled anesthetics or, or uh, TIVA. Uh, so uh, we we do have some some sustainable alternatives uh, available most of the time, and it's a matter of knowing them and being comfortable and knowing when when it's uh, when they can be applied. Okay, thank you. So if I if I summarize it briefly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about scope one uh, in in health aesthetics, um, two energy, and three waste. So what have you implemented in your own department. I mean, how far, how far are you along? How are you doing it? Well, yeah, I'm a pediatric anesthesiologist myself, so I use uh, inhaling anesthetics uh, a lot. Uh, we based uh, our practice most uh, of our, our practice we we base it on on inhaling anesthetics mostly sevoflurane, right? But more and more, we're using Tiva and TCI software for uh, for adults. Our our colleagues that are using uh, that work in the adult section. But also in, in the pediatric patients, so um, I'm trying myself to 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 switch to a more uh, intravenous um, uh, perspective, and uh, I have to admit that I, I'm surprised that it, it works, and uh, I've been using it even with infants, and we, uh, especially in uh, in high income countries, we have now the software, the technology um, to to provide for a safe TCI or TIVA, even. In 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 the, in the most vulnerable patients that can be uh, the the most elderly and the and the very young, right? So uh, we are we are doing more and more intravenous, and then uh, when we cannot do that, we we use uh, of course uh, inhaled anesthetics because only regional anesthesia in pediatrics is uh, extremely complicated. And when we do uh, in when we use inhaled anesthetics, we use low flow or very low flow anesthesia, depending on the leaks. If we have uh, higher leaks and we cannot compensate them, we, we of course need to compensate, and uh, we might be using 0.5 to one liter of fresh gas flow. But if we have a, a, a pressurized system and, and the leaks are non-existent, we we can safely go down to 0.3 of uh, fresh gas flow. And uh, now we have the luxury to have uh, ventilators that provide for automatic control of anesthesia. And regardless of the brand, uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, you 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 it's it's so easy now. You just set the the FIO two you want. You you choose the the entitled level for brain uh, that you want, and then the machine does it all and provides for super safe uh, uh, oxygen delivery. So it's it's working wonderfully. 
Uh, we have also been using optic charcoal devices to absorb the gas anesthetics from the scavenger system. Uh, there's in, at least uh, as far as I know, there are three different commercial brands, and we have using one uh, and uh, with with good results so, uh, whatsoever now. But uh, we there's there's still some some uh, lack of of um, articles and trials assessing for the life cycle assessment for for this technology. But if they end up being uh, uh, good in the middle of the, the that the 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 carbon footprint can uh, actually re be reduced and be comparable to propofol, perhaps active charcoal devices that absorb and the anesthetic gases that we use and prevent its release to the atmosphere can be a a milestone in our uh, activity, especially for those of us that use inhaled anesthetics a lot. Uh, and then we have been uh, using the local scavenging uh, for the induction of anesthesia with gases. We use a uh, a Mapleson device uh, that let's say that we use like a bag or amble bag, but uh, it's called a Mapleson device. Uh, some institutions have been using it for many years, perhaps for for other colleagues that's uh, like a very old technology. But we usually uh, we use it a lot for the induction of anesthesia, and uh, and that has an IPL valve, an uh, exhalation valve, that if uh, you don't do anything, then all the gases from the patient go to the uh, operating theater atmosphere. And then we, in order to prevent that and prevent the staff exposure to to anesthetics, we we've uh, used for more than twenty years our local scavenging. That's just a tube that connects to the scavenging, central scavenging system, that now is connected to also the, the active charcoal device. So we, all our gases, the the goal is to to have them redirected to the active charcoal uh, scavenging device, and then. Uh, we also use uh, low-flow anesthesia for the induction. Uh, let's say between three to six liters of fresh gas flow for induction, depending on the size of, and the age of the patient. Uh, we also avoid nitrous oxide. We don't use it anymore. And if anybody needs it for any specific uh, indication, we have uh, we still provide bottled nitrous oxide. Uh, I'm thinking about the uh, uh, the pain procedure. Uh, Department that uh, sometimes they they some some colleagues uh, from other specialties they 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 they, they still uh, feel secure and, and unhappy with the with the nitrous oxide. Well, but then we 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 provide that, uh, them with the, the the nitrous oxide, but um, we try to to use it less and less. And uh, we know that uh, the the nitrous oxide is uh, has a high uh, carbon footprint. And, uh, but we also know that most of them, uh, uh, the release of the nitrous oxide to the atmosphere comes from the leakages from the central pipe system. So uh, we believe that uh, if we reduce the access and then we 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 give the direct access to the bottles in, and, and we don't use anymore the, the pipelines of the nitrous oxide, we will be preventing these leakages to the atmosphere. And then our colleagues in, in the adult section in the maternity ward, they, they have a a very high uh, um, epidural uh, uh, rate. Uh, they they provide epidural analgesia for more than ninety percent of the of the uh, pregnant uh, women, and, uh, and that reduces the, the the need for for other complementary analgetic system uh, programs. Uh, I know that in some some institutions or other countries, the nitrous oxide, for instance, is uh, readily available. It's very it's a very uh, 
pretty much used, but uh, in uh, at least in Spain, is uh, epidural rate is, is very high, and and that potentially reduces the capital footprint of of the maternity wards. And then when we focus on other scopes, such as we mentioned, scope two and three, uh, our our hospital has a hundred percent electricity uh, coming from renewable sources. So the the scope two uh, is very low in our in our hospital, but that that's uh, that there we have very little say. That depends on the on the regional uh, uh, decision to to choose uh, to buy the electricity from one company or another. And then uh, we also started the recycling program for plastics, carbon, and glass. But um, going back to your question, I, I would say that uh, our say it refers mostly to scope one, which is uh, the the type of anesthesia that we choose from, and that we we are we have a wide range of uh, of options to be more or to be more sustainable. To say. Okay. Thank you. So um, then my next question actually pertains to the previous one. Uh, what can the individual anesthesia provider do? What If I walk to, tomorrow in my operating room, what can I do right away to help uh, do my little bit? Yeah, absolutely, Jan. I think that's a key question. Uh, um, well, first of all, I believe that uh, we, we the, 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 key, the key aspect is to be aware of the problem. When, when, we, when I ask my, my, my residents, most of the time, they, they are not aware of the carbon footprint that we have and that our, our options actually matter. So the first thing, uh, my, my first recommendation would be to be aware and to start having the rather, uh, rather on, uh, to, to, to read more and listen more. And uh, when you go to a Congress or any education program, uh, look for the sustainability options because you will be hearing more and more and, and there there will be more more options available to to read and to educate and train yourself to 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 provide for a more sustainable sorry to be a more sustainable uh, practice uh then uh, if you are keen on this and you would like to pursue on this matter well stay alert and start making connections with your local peers i'm, I'm sure that in every institution in every operating theater there are many people that are interested but they just don't know how to start, how, where to start, how to start, right? Uh, surgeons, nurses, anesthesiologists, uh, assistant nurses, we all can make a, a network in a team, but most of the time we don't know how to do that because I don't know, Jan, if you are interested or not. So when I go uh, and work with you, uh, how should I know that you, you care for this? So the first thing is that like raise raise your hand, raise your, your flag and, and, and show that you are committed. And I'm sure you will find a lot of colleagues are interested, and, and and you need to make a network because otherwise you will become uh, burned. And, uh, and after three six months uh, of uh, hitting against the wall, you will just uh, give up and and don't pursue. So try to make a network and contact your your institution. Go and see if you already have a sustainability department, or maybe have they have another name. But I'm sure that most institutions have some sort of sustainability department that they can coach you and they can redirect you and they can give you education and, and, and tell you which other or the colleagues are already working on that. So be, become part of a, of a team. And if, there's any, if there isn't many, perhaps you can be the first one of your, of your kind and you can start the process, right? Uh, and in order to do so, 
you can contact your national or international societies. Contact your national society of anesthesia in your own country, and uh, if there isn't any, well, you can always have you can, you always have us uh, at ASAIC. We we will be providing you with the education tools and and, and information, and we already have in our website uh, a, a very simple um, uh, PowerPoint uh, presentation that you can with the very basic facts that if you want to to present these facts and why it is important to care about this topic to your CEO, to the to the management, to your own chair of department. You can use this presentation and you can show the facts and and, and uh, start making a team. And then this is uh, like trying to make a, a network and 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 uh, the, the, to, to set the context. But then on your everyday basis, you can try to use uh, more sustainable options and 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 we are lacking a state of the art uh, meta analysis and and reviews we have very little evidence based medicine but right now we can say that tiva and regional anesthesia probably are the most sustainable options that we have at hand so if you if you are going to plan for anesthesia tomorrow perhaps or or too too early today perhaps uh, choosing the total intravenous anesthesia for the proposal or uh, or regional anesthesia are the most uh, are the best ways, but if you are if you are going to use uh, low, uh, inhaler anesthetics, um, as I use uh, every day, for instance, my for for my induction of anesthesia with thevoforane, use low flow, uh, low flow for for induction and low flow for maintenance, compensate the leaks, and then of of course the most uh, uh, inter carbon intense uh, gases are desferrin and nitrous oxide. So try to avoid them if you can. And uh, and the last uh, recommendation that uh, you can use on every day is try to titrate your doses uh, according to PEG monitors, uh, either BIS, NacroTrend, uh, Setline, any uh, neuro monitor that can give you some any uh, information about the uh, um, uh, depth of uh, hypnosis and, and analgesia. Uh, then you can titrate the doses for propofol or for any gas according to the actual needs of your patient. So I think that those are the most uh, like simple ways to to make a change every day. Okay, so uh, become aware, make aware, make a network, implement the uh, obvious things you can do right away, like lowering your fresh gas flows, or choose your uh, choose total anesthesia, local regional if you can, and uh, use available equipment and technology that helps you to minimize the dose and waste to that which is absolutely necessary. Okay, thank you. Now, uh, we alluded to low flow a few times. Um, I don't know, can you elaborate a little bit on that or you think we've covered it pretty much so far? We we actually did a, a survey. Um, the, the, our, our committee did a survey one year ago. Now it's in the process to be to be published. And um, it's interesting. We, we got almost 1,300 responses from anesthesiologists worldwide from all over the world, especially from Europe, right? And uh, some of the results were, were striking. We, we, uh, we saw that 60, almost 65% of the respondents use inhaled anesthetics every day. Uh, so that's more than 50% of anesthesiologists worldwide uh, choose inhaled anesthetics and they have a carbon footprint as we have discussed. And then we asked them, uh, what's the fresh gas flow that you use? <clears throat> and uh, 
So strikingly, uh, more than 50% of our colleagues use uh, fresh gas flow above one liter every single day. And um, that has always struck me because uh, our ventilators are extremely complicated. If you compare them to the ventilators and the ICU, ours uh, have this circular circuit that makes them so complicated and uh, probably more expensive than the ICU ventilators. So if we don't use this circular circuit to to recycle and to to minimize the consumption of our uh, our gases, then what's uh, the whole purpose, right? So I believe that if most of the anesthesiologists worldwide choose inhale anesthetics, we should be very aware of of the consequences to the environment, and also that we have already the means to reduce the the, the footprint because we can use low flow most of the time. And uh, we asked them in this way, for those who did not use a low flow of, uh, of sorry, a, a fresh gas flow below one, we asked them, why wouldn't you? And the main reason not to use a, a low flow uh, uh, setting was the risk or the concern for CO2 rebreathing. So 30% of our colleagues say, well, I, I fear that there could be some uh, CO2 rebreathing in, in the gas mixture, so I would rather avoid that uh, that setting. Uh, one one out of uh, every four, that's 20, 25% said that, yeah, but I, I also fear uh, or, uh, that, that they might have a hypoxia in the gas mixture. And uh, surprisingly, 12% uh, still uh, fear or compound A-related renal failure, which has only been proven in in animals, but not in, in human beings. And only 10, uh, 10% are concerned for carbon monoxide generation, which is actually a potential, extremely unlikely, but that's the real potential uh, um, risk, uh, the formation of carbon monoxide. If we are using uh, the soda limes that contain uh, nitrogen ox uh, hydroxide or pot potassium hydroxide. But uh, that's very unlikely to happen. And so those are the main the main reasons that our colleagues don't use uh, low flow, uh, which is uh, CO two rebreathing hypoxia most of the time. And and the, we the, the simple simple things that we can do uh, to 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 uh, uh, compensate for that. Uh, we have the alarms, right? We I what I every single day uh, when I'm I'm in my cruise control set it after after the induction of anesthesia and everything now is under control the first thing i do is i check my, my alarm settings and i i set an alarm setting for co2 rebreathing which i can put uh, my my old threshold and hypoxia which i usually set at a, a threshold of 25 percent um so that those two main uh, reasons not to use low flow anesthesia have a very simple solution and then component a we already said that they have not been described in, in human beings, so that's not an actual uh, problem in the renal failure related to component A during the uh, several foreign uh, metabolism. And then for CO2 generation, well, uh, that's extremely unlikely to happen, and if it does, is it in a population of patients that are at risk of, of, of producing carbon monoxide, especially when there's hemolysis, or the patient is in, in severe trauma or sepsis, or has been under a, a far indoor fire where the patient might have inhaled carbon monoxide. And most of the time in these patients, you can have 
blood samples that you can put in your gas analyzer and check for the carbon monoxide uh, attached to the hemoglobin. So you can actually follow the carbon monoxide trend in the in the fraction attached to hemoglobin. So I, I still don't see any single reason not to use low flow if you can compensate for leaks, of course. Um, but I, I know, Jan, that uh, you have your person experience. Uh, perhaps you would like to also share your views. So what, what do you think about this? Thank you, Patricia. I think you covered it pretty, pretty well. It is a kind of intriguing why people continue to use fresh gas flows above one liter per minute. I think the reason is because one of the reasons is that if they use lower fresh gas flow, a fresh gas flow lower than one liter per minute in particular, what they dial, what people or anesthesia providers dial on the vaporizer and on the fresh gas flow settings, these concentrations no longer match the inspired concentration which may be a bit confusing. So I think it's key here to teach. And the other aspect you alluded to, it is key to make sure that new technology is being implemented. And that pertains to torrent low flow and the use of uh, process TG to minimize your dose. So yes, I'm fully with the program. And to that regard, I think um, teaching and technological innovations are key to minimize or, or an ecological professional footprint. You agree with that? I think you do because you alluded to it several times. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, actually, we in our survey we saw that there is a correlation between higher income countries and the implementation of more sustainable strategies. Strategies probably because the high high income countries have better access to updated technology and education programs. Uh, we are thinking about the TCI pumps, the PEG monitors, the equation the ventilators and uh, and some some countries even have already started in the uh, programs on sustainability in pre-graduate and postgraduate levels so absolutely and uh, they they take access to technology is key to to provide for more sustainable uh, uh care absolutely i couldn't agree more yeah so maybe there's a rule for isaac too i mean with when we talk about teaching etc and and, and sens sensibilizing people um can the European Society of Anesthesia and Intensive Care help here? So yeah, absolutely, Jan. Uh, um, the SAIC has an education program uh, in the Congress uh, every year, but uh, we will be having hopefully also uh, more and more uh, other uh, non-Congress related education solutions. We'll be having a webinar soon uh, before the uh, Glasgow Congress, and we, we are lucky we will be perhaps uh, coordinating better and better with the Education Committee to uh, at some point start a, a, a parallel program that we can provide uh, um, more than webinars uh, and education solutions that for those interested in uh, monographic education programs um, uh, later on. And so absolutely, SAIC has education uh, role, but uh, we, we will also issuing uh, hopefully before the Glasgow Congress uh, the, the recommendations on preoperative sustainable care. Um, and and these, these recommendations will summarize what we talk uh, about here today and also the um, the recommendation for other scopes uh, in more detail as the scope 2 energy and scope 3, the, uh, the uh, recycling. And we will be also be talking a little bit on uh, what we call scope 4, which is the well-being of the uh, healthcare provider of us and the We also need to care 
uh, about our well-being, which is because we are a profession at risk. So we need to also think about ourselves uh, in this process to make the sustainability a, a, like a more more comprehensive uh, topic. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, actually. Yeah. So also thanks to our uh, listeners from the members and others from the European Society of Anesthesia and Intensive Care. We hope uh, you can take these messages forward and uh, help you in your department accomplish a reduction in our professional environmental footprint and help to address sustainability at large. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. The European Society of Anesthesia and Intensive Care releases monthly podcasts on the SAIC website and various streaming platforms. We hope you will join us for the next one. This episode is sponsored by Medtronic.